0: Good morning. Uh, My name is Heather Kimball. Our scripture lesson today is Matthew chapter 6 verses 1 through 6 and verses 16 through 18. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Heather. I'm going to use this one this morning. Thank you, Heather, for our scripture lesson this morning. And uh, as always, we're grateful for the uh, praise band and what they do for us. Awesome job, as always. And, uh, you know, faithfulness of those who come every Sunday is uh, such a blessing you know <clears throat> Warren's been struggling with a cold all week and he's had to switch around some things and make sure it happened this morning so we appreciate him and uh, all, the, all the guys and the girls who make it a part we're just so grateful to you for your sharing with us as we hear God's word and we seek its meaning for our life now let us ask for his Holy Spirit to open us and to be present among us will you pray with me gracious God we thank you this opportunity we have together with one another to praise you, to lift you up, and to be renewed by your spirit in this place. And I ask, oh God, that you would now help us to open our hearts and our minds to hear your word and how it has the power to transform us and to shape us and the people that you created us to be so that we might have life abundantly, the life you created for us. I pray, God, that you would enable me to speak your words in a way that glorifies you and you alone. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, this Sunday, we continue in a series of sermons that we began a few weeks ago, where we've been looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Um, If you know anything about that sermon, you know that this is where he is laying out his vision for what our lives should look like as his followers. And we have discovered that in this sermon are some very hard teachings, Difficult teachings. Uh, I mean, there's times when it seems like Jesus is raising the bar so high that there's absolutely no way any human being could possibly live this way every day of their lives. And yet, we know that this is the ideal that Jesus calls us to. Jesus understands, He, he knows that we can't live this way purely by our own efforts. That's why he gave us the power and the promise of his Holy Spirit that empowers us, enables us to live as authentic followers of Christ. This is why he promises his grace is always going to be there for us along the way when we miss the mark. But these are the expectations that Jesus has for what it means to live as his followers. And he expects us to take these things seriously. The challenge that Jesus lays before us today <coughs> is how, how can we be real and authentic in our relationship with God and with one another. As we've learned, these sets of teachings that Jesus gives us in the Sermon on the Mount, it's not a list of do's and don'ts. What Jesus is trying to address is the matters of our hearts. He's trying to address the, the motives behind our actions. And in this text that we have before us today, he's actually raising the question, who is it that we really are when no one is looking? In our text today, Jesus says, beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. Here again, you hear how Jesus is addressing these matters of the heart. And he's saying, you know, be careful when you're doing acts of piety, trying to do whatever it is you do is acts of piety to live a holy life. uh, Be sure you understand what your motives are. Are you doing these things to bring glory to yourself? Or are you seeking to bring glory to God? Are, you, are people able to see God through what you're doing? Are you doing these deeds to be seen by people, to win the affirmation of others, to, to win their praise? Or is this a true reflection of who you are in your heart of hearts? Well, as you read in this passage that we have before us today, you find that the three times Jesus uses the phrase, we are not to be like the hypocrites. Actually, 13 times in Matthew's Gospel, he uses that word hypocrites to talk about the religious people of his day. I think it's interesting to note that Jesus' ministry was primarily for the uh, aimed at the non-religious and the non-religious people of his society. But that's not who Jesus talks about when he uses this word hypocrite. When Jesus uses the word hypocrite, he's talking about religious people. So we all need to listen up here <laughs> to what, what he's addressing is with it. In Jesus' day, that word hypocrite had a very clear meaning. It was a term that was used to describe someone who was an actor on a stage. It was someone who pretended to be somebody that they're really not, but for the purpose of being an actor on a stage. Right? That helps you to look, understand a little bit of why the, uh, the Pharisees and the, the scribes did not like it when Jesus called them this. <laughs> I mean, Jesus is literally calling them out before everybody, saying that you are pretenders, you're frauds, you're hypocrites, you're play actors. That's not a nice thing to say about anyone, (laughs) but sometimes, you know, the truth, it hurts. And the truth is, we all have this tendency to be play actors. To, to, be, to do whatever it takes in order to gain the acceptance, the approval, to be liked, to be loved by the people around us. We all have this tendency. And when it comes to religion, Jesus says that you can even develop a form of spiritual exhibitionism where you're using religion in order to impress others. Now, growing up as a preacher's kid, uh, we moved around a lot. That's kind of like what Methodist preachers do over time. They move around and... Uh, and every time that would happen to us and our family and I had to move to a new place, that was a rather traumatic experience for me because it meant that I had to find a whole new set of friends. And that's always a difficult thing. And, and uh, so the objective immediately came, became trying to fit in, trying to gain acceptance by my peers around me. And so I, I would quickly begin to try to observe and find out who the cool kids were, who the popular ones were that everybody seemed to like, and I would try to you know, fit in and be, be like them. The problem was uh, what I found out in most of the schools I went to was that the really cool kids, the popular ones, were either those who played sports or they were the really bad boys. And I wasn't really good at sports, and so I I tended to want to kind of hang out and try to be like uh, the rebel kids, you know, and and, um, that was a whole new set of problems for me. But um, as I struggled with that, I found out that the problem with most of those rebel kids is that they tended to want to be into things like Drugs or alcohol. I really didn't want to do drugs or alcohol, but I desperately wanted to fit in and be accepted. And I, I don't think this impulse or this desire is any different for us as adults. We don't really grow out of this. We all want people to like us, to accept us, to to uh, notice us, to affirm us. We all want that. And so even as adults, we look to see who those people are that are uh, well-off in society, successful, uh, popular people in society. And we want to drive the kind of cars they drive. We want to live in the kind of houses or in the kind of neighborhoods they live in. Uh, We don't wear the kind of clothes they wear so that we can fit in and be accepted too. We don't outgrow this as adults. So this is just a part of our human condition, this desire to be affirmed, accepted, And sometimes we're willing to do whatever it takes in order to get that. And I think that's the issue, part of the issue at least, what Jesus is addressing in this passage. Now, what I discovered growing up is that what was cool in the world wasn't necessarily cool and popular and accepted in the church. Uh, For instance, you know, it wasn't cool to cuss in church. And so I had to watch my tongue when I went to church, but when I was hanging out with the bad boys, the bad preacher kid, you know, that's, that's another thing, you know. And and uh, it it was not cool being a rebel in <laughs> the church. You could get into I could get into real trouble with the preacher. And so I, I tried to avoid that. Um, and you know, doing drugs or alcohol was not cool either. <laughs> I looked very didn't look upon that very well either in the church. But I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to fit in uh, with the people of the church. I wanted to be thought well of. And so I was willing to do whatever it took to help people make people in the church think well of me and so i did things like you know, i want to make sure i had a really cool bible you know so and, and i studied it in ways that i could, when i got into class and the youth classes and other things like that I, I could answer questions that none of them could answer you know i knew my bible and they go ooh, he's he's, he's a real good christian you know he's impressed by that and in my generation playing guitar was a really cool thing amongst uh, teenagers i mean all the girls huddled around guys who played guitars That's why I learned how to play guitar. (laughs) Uh, Just be honest. (laughs) But uh, God redeemed that. I don't know if that's true for you, Bennett, or or, or those of you, but uh, that's that's what motivated me to begin with. But then uh, God redeemed that, and He was able to use that for something for good. But uh, this is how we are, Rizzy. This is part of our human condition. On the outside, I was looking good. I was fitting in. Everybody, you know. But on the inside, I was living a double lifestyle. There were points in my life where I really had to question who am I? Nathaniel Hawthorne once said, no man can wear one face to himself and another to the multitude without finally getting bewildered as to which may be true. That's why I found myself at times growing up. Uh, Later on, I even experienced this when it came to, to giving in the church. Uh, when I was sitting out in the pews in my dad's church, when I would attend other churches and go into college, you know, I'd, I'd see uh, the offering plate, they'd pass it down like we do, and, and I could see what other people were putting in the offering plate as it went by. you know, And, and I, I realized, well, they could also see what I'm putting in the offering plate. And remember, I'm trying to fit in. I want people to think well of me at the church. And so uh, I, I, um, I made sure that every Sunday I had something to put in that offering plate. The problem was at that point in my life, I didn't really have much money. And so I learned how you can wad up a dollar bill in a way that nobody can see what the denomination of it is. <coughs> and uh, if you wad it up just right, it actually looks like it's more than just a dollar bill. And I see some of you nodding your head. You know what I'm talking about here. Uh, and uh, so that's what I would do. And so I would make it look like it was something it wasn't. And uh, then when I did start to make money uh, and I had the chance to put stuff in the offering plate, I'd, I'd take out my $10 bill or my $20 bill. And you know I didn't wad it up anymore. <laughs> I make sure it laid out flat. I kind of put it on top of the plate like that, so they could see what I'm doing. As i passing around, they're like, "Oh, impressed!" You know what he's doing? I'm kind of embarrassed to tell you that, but um, this this is the way we are. Uh, I know that many of you know exactly what I'm talking about here this morning, <laughs> and so um, it's just part of our human condition. This is why Jesus is addressing this issue. Be careful about your motives behind your religious piety. Why are you doing? What are you doing? What is the real purpose? What are your motives? In the words of Odds Guinness, as Christians, we are performing really for an audience of one. As Christians, it is God that we should seek to be pleasing and the, winning the approval of, not the people around us. We all have this desire to be liked, to fit in, to be accepted, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, God created us to be in relationship with one another, to be c- part of communities. And so God placed this desire within us to, to be in relationship with one another. It's When that desire becomes the focus of our lives, then everything can be about that. It, everything is about gaining and getting the acceptance of other people. Everything is about fitting in and uh, winning the approval of others. And you do that to the point, that your identity as being a a person of God, who God calls you to be, gets lost. We can literally lose our souls trying to gain the world. Now, how this gets lived out in our faith is that we can sometimes use God in order, it's a way to impress other people. And. I think that was the real issue that Jesus was trying to address here with the religious leaders of his day. Here's the thing. I'm pretty sure that nobody here likes to be used by other people. And I'm doubly sure that God doesn't like to be used by us. But when you do things where it looks like you're doing it for God's glory, but the truth is you're really doing it for your own glory, that's using God. And this can happen in a lot of different ways. Uh, The truth is, I can get up here on a Sunday morning for an hour and try to convince you, and I can do a good job at probably convincing you that I'm a pretty good Christian, that I'm serious about my Christian faith. But the truth is, God isn't really interested in how much I can impress you, uh, how good a Christian I am in an hour on Sunday morning. What God is looking for is, what am I like when nobody else is looking on a daily basis, what's really in my heart. That's what God wants to know. So Jesus is warning us here. He's warning us to be cautious about this. Whatever I'm doing here on Sunday morning, is this about pleasing God? Is it really about honoring God and worshiping God? Or is this somehow related to glorifying myself, impressing others? When I pray, When you pray for a blessing or for meals or you pray in your Sunday school class or wherever it is you pray before others, are you more concerned about what other people are thinking about that prayer, the kind of prayer you get, how good your prayer is and how holy you are? Are you more concerned about that or are you authentically praying to God, speaking to God? There's so many ways this, this can infiltrate our spiritual lives. So Jesus is challenging us not to use God as a means to an end to not flaunt our uh, righteousness before others, but instead to examine the motives of our hearts, to make sure that we're trying to please that audience of one, that we're trying to glorify God with our lives, because that's what God is really looking for from us. If you go over to Matthew chapter 23, verse 25, you see that Jesus uses that word hypocrisy and hypocrite again. And listen to what he says. He really gets where he lays it out (laughs) in uh, terms that very clear to us what's behind this. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside also may become clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which on the outside look beautiful, but inside they are full of bones of the dead and all kinds of filth. So you also on the outside look righteous to others, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. I want to ask you a question this morning. It's a question that I have to ask myself all the time. Are your insides matching your outsides? Is the person that you're portraying to the people around you the same person that God sees when he looks into your hearts? Who are you really when no one else is around? This is the question, I think, that leads us to the subject of spiritual authenticity. Uh, How do we become authentic spiritually in our relationship with God and with one another? Well, I think Jesus gives us some some help in these passages. I think he points to some keys, and I want to lift up four of those this morning. If you want to write those down, you can. But these are four things that I think Scripture instructs us into how we can develop these lives and maintain these, this, a spiritual authenticity about who we are as Christians. The first is to recognize our tendency toward acting. And the first step to overcoming a problem is to recognize that the problem exists. And part of what we have to do is to recognize is that we're all hypocrites here in this place in, in one way or another. I have people say to me all the time, well, I don't want to go to the church. I don't want to be a part of the church because it's full of just a bunch of hypocrites. (laughs) Well, that's true. (laughs) It is, you know, uh, it's true. Uh, The church is full of of play actors and and hypocrites, but so is the rest of the world. (laughs) We all struggle with this. The question is, do we recognize our tendency toward that, and are we striving? Are we striving to allow God to take control of our lives so that we are no longer play acting when it comes to our faith? All of us struggle with being actors, with uh, being pretenders at some level or another. That's just part of our human condition. David Martin Lloyd-Jones described our human condition in this way. He said, we by nature desire the praise of others more than the praise of God. And we know that to be true. It's when we recognize this about ourselves, that's the first step in being able to overcome it. The second thing we have to do is to understand the effects of advertising our spirituality. See Milo Connick in his commentary here on the, on the Sermon on the Mount. He, he describes it in this way. He says, spiritual exhibitionism is a way of advertising your spirituality. Now, advertising is a word that we're familiar with. We all uh, see it every day. In business we advertise. Even in the church we advertise. And Advertising is not necessarily a bad thing. But to... Advertise our spirituality can have devastating results. Connick goes on to say this. There are some things that advertising kills. One is humility. Another is altruism, the devotion to the interest of others. When it's publicized, it becomes egoism, the very opposite of altruism, devotion to the interest of self. And finally, uh, John R.W. Scott says this. He says, to do anything in order to be seen by others is bound to degrade it. While to, be seen, do, to do it to be seen by God is equally bound to ennoble it. In other words, when you pray today at the restaurant with your family, with your friends, or maybe you go home, wherever it is you say the blessing over your meal today, uh, if you do that so that others will somehow think that you're more holy, and that you're a great Christian, then you have degraded that act of prayer, and you have used God. But if you do that for the sole purpose of honoring God and living for that audience of one, then that moment is ennobled by the motives within your heart to honor God in that place. So we have to recognize that we have this tendency toward hypocrisy, if you want to call it that. We don't like to use that word, but toward play-acting, toward being something we're not at times, toward gaining the approval of others. And we have to recognize the effects of spiritual advertising and what that can do to God and to the Christian faith and to ourselves. It's in doing those two things that we're ready to take the steps that Jesus gives us to overcoming this problem we, we struggle with. The first is to begin to practice your piety secretly. Jesus says, "Begin to practice your piety, piety seekers. That means you practice your your piety, your your holy living. You practice your your faith when nobody else is looking." Robert Redford. I love a story that's told about him. He was entering to a hotel one day, and um, this woman who saw him there, she became very excited that it was Robert Redford coming to the hotel, and so she chased after him as he went to the the elevator, and he's punching the button for the elevator, and she runs up to him and she says, are you the real Robert Redford? And I I love his response. He says, only when I'm all alone. (laughs) I think that's part of what Jesus is talking about here and challenging us to do. Do we practice our piety? Do we practice our faith when we're all alone? Maybe somebody's listening. <laughs> do we practice our faith when we're all alone? When nobody is there to impress them? That's not the only time when you're to practice your faith. But it's in when you do it in secret, when you're doing it as a part of your, your your daily life in secret, then that becomes a more natural part of your life because you're not doing it to impress others or you're not doing it for show. It becomes part of who you really are. I read an interesting poem this past week entitled I Wonder by Ruth. Harms uh, Kalkin. This is what she wrote. She so says, You know, Lord, how I serve you with great emotional fervor in the limelight. You know how eager I speak for you at a woman's club. You know my genuine enthusiasm at a Bible study. But how would I react, I wonder, if you pointed to a basin of water and asked me to wash the callous feet of a bent and wrinkled old person day after day, month after month, in a room where nobody saw and nobody knew. I think that's what God is looking for from us. I think that's what Jesus is teaching us. And when he challenges us here, he actually gives three examples to demonstrate this in our passage this morning. And in verse three, he says, when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your alms may be done in secret. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. Then in verse five and six, he says, whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners uh, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, have they've received their reward. Whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret so that your father in secret will see you and reward you. Finally, in verse 16, he says, whenever you fast, don't look like dismal like the hypocrites do. Rather, put oil on your head and wash your face. And that day and time when people fasted, they often didn't bathe and their hair would be all disheveled, and they'd wear different kind of clothing to, to demonstrate that they were fasting. And of course, that got a lot of attention by people Jesus says, don't do that. Take a shower, uh, comb your hair, wash your hair, any kind of things. And Go ahead and fast, but do that in secret so that only God knows you're doing that. Don't do it for the acknowledgement the praise of others. So he tells us all these things. And then after he gives us these three examples, he gives us a tool for how we might continue to, to focus and maintain this life of spiritual authenticity. Right as he gives these examples, he gives us a model for prayer. And we know it to be the Lord's Prayer. A lot of times when we say the Lord's Prayer, we never think about really what we're saying. We just say it because we know it. But again, Jesus is saying that if you will pray like this every day, giving glory to God, that's part of our Father who art in heaven, you give glory to God, you give praise to God, you acknowledge your dependency upon God, you acknowledge your need for God, give us our daily bread, give us what we need. You center yourself on God's will for your life every day. If you pray like that every day and you couple that with practicing your piety in secret, avoiding advertising your spirituality, and recognizing your propensity to be an actor for the sake of approval of others or self-glory. If we, if we couple all those things together and we try to live in that way, Jesus said, here's this, the path to living lives that are spiritually authentic. And isn't that something that we all long for? I mean, living a life That is constantly seeking the the approval of other people, being something that you're not, really, living a double lifestyle. That's not life, that's hell on earth. Jesus came to set us free from that kind of existence, He came to give us the path towards spiritual authenticity. I just want to end with this word of grace. When, when I look at my own life in spiritual authenticity, I recognize that I'm a, I'm a bundle of, of messed up motiva- motivations. On one hand, I try to serve God with my life. But on the other hand, there's always something in the back of my mind that's trying to pull me in another direction of where I shouldn't be. Sometimes I truly wonder, who am I? Am I really being this way? because I'm trying to live a life for God, or am I seeking the approval or trying to meet the expectations of everybody else around me? Our whole lives, I think we struggle with this, some of us more than others. In fact, I don't think we ever become truly authentic before God until that day we meet him face to face and we are sanctified by God's Holy Spirit. But we know that this is the life That God calls us to. We know that this is where we find freedom and we find abundance in life. And so we lean into that. We strive to live this way every day. And and God knows. He knows that we're going to mess up. God knows that our propensity to be hypocrites and to not have the right motives about life. But God is asking of us simply daily, are you trying? Are you striving? To live the life I've called you to. Are you longing to serve me in the the secret places of your heart? Though it may not be a reality at the moment, are you truly desiring to be an authentic follower of me? This is God's hope for us. This is God's plan for us. The question is, is that your desire? Do you long? Do you want to be set free to a life of spiritual authenticity? are you going to continue trying to be an actor on stage to win the approval of others? Only one way leads to life, Jesus says. Let's pray. Lord God, you know. You know that all of us here struggle with authenticity. Um, We so want others to like us, to affirm us, that we're willing to to say or do whatever that takes. Sometimes we're even willing to set aside our faith so that we can win the praise of others. We struggle, oh God, with living out our faith in such a way that it's not about us, but it's about you. We seek to glorify ourselves rather than you. So God, we just confess that today. We confess that we're all hypocrites to some degree. We, We all have... the the role of playing, acting at sometimes. Forgive us, O God, of our sins. Help us to live as you have instructed us with the assurance that your Holy Spirit is there to help us. Help us to live, O God, as you taught us to pray. I'm going to invite you again to say that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray together. For here's the model of our lives. Our Father, Father who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed hallowed be thy thy name. name. Thy Thy kingdom kingdom come, thy will will be be done